What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Why Are We Here? I'm your host, Spencer Crandall. Our guest today is a New York Times bestselling author, USA Today columnist, and a senior political analyst for CNN. Her writing has been published in the Washington Post, Elle, The Daily Beast, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Observer, The New York Post, literally just all the places. Our guest is a fierce defender of her views and a force to be reckoned with, but what drew me to want to speak with her is the way in which she has these conversations. Her hypothesis about the radical dishing out of grace was a breath of fresh air to me, and I can't wait to dive into all of this with her. Please welcome Kirsten Powers. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Of course. I uh, I found you via, you know, this is this is 2022, right? I found you like on an Instagram <laughs> story, and someone was like, oh my gosh, you have to read this book. And so I checked it out, and although I'm not finished with it, your book, Saving Grace, has been really, really cool to read. I uh, have been super frustrated about the way that I feel when mm-hmm. talking about things that I disagree with people with. And so oh, yeah. So your kind of take on all these things and, and especially your take on grace was really a breath of fresh air to me. So I'd love to get into that with you. I think yeah. your journey kind of started with, and, and a big reason why I... I loved your take on this. It was kind of a self-aware reflection of maybe I'm a part of the problem. Maybe I'm <laughs> maybe I'm a part of this. Maybe you speak on how you got to this hypothesis that you have. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, you know, a lot of people ask me why did you write this book, and it's basically it's necessity is the mother of all invention. Mm. And I really did hit a wall. I got to a point where I just felt like. I can't go on feeling the way that I feel. Um, sometimes it was my behavior, but honestly, it was much more about the internal. You know, you were just talking about how you feel about these things mm-hmm. and that I came to a conclusion that my the way I was thinking about other people, sometimes talking about other people, sometimes interacting with other people, was more, it wasn't aligned with my values. And I, you know, I... I believe in, you know, loving your neighbor and loving your enemies. And I was like, could I even say that I'm even like slightly trying to do this? Because I'm not, I'm really actually at the point where I'm like, forget it. Like, it's not possible. It's not going to happen. I'm not even going to try. And I was just filled with often with like contempt and hatred and things that I just, I don't think are okay. Uh, I think it's totally fine to disagree with people. It's totally fine to feel strongly, it's fine to get angry. All those things are fine. But when you start dehumanizing other people, demonizing other people, even if you're just doing it internally, uh, it's very toxic. Uh, and I just, and I felt that it was very toxic to myself. And I also recognized that sometimes I was being pretty toxic, particularly on social media. Yeah. And I just related to that so hard. And I think, you know, especially during those election times, you have these conversations or I have these conversations and it's with people that I love. And that's what's so tough about this is it's, it's my parents, it's my relatives, it's my best friends from high school or college. And you're like, I don't want to feel this way about this person. Even if we disagree or we agree, but just not a hundred percent, I was feeling that exact same thing. So I really applaud you for your self-awareness. I think that's like a really, especially in today's day and age to go, yeah, I don't, I don't like this about me. And for that to birth this amazing thing that is saving grace, 
your definitions of grace are really interesting too. And I'd always thought of grace as like more like politeness of yeah. like, I'll just be really nice. And that's me like yeah. kind of like bless your heart, Grace. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> which, which is very Southern or kind of like where, where I come from. That's a lot of like, oh, we will pray for you, Grace. Yeah. Versus <laughs> totally. I think. Kind of uh, condescending Grace. Exactly. <laughs> which is not Grace at all. Right. And um, <laughs> yeah. I love some of your definitions. Um, and I'm just kind of rattle them off. And I'd love to kind of just hear your take on them. One that I loved is always seeing the possibility in something. I heard you say that, and I love that. I also heard you say unmerited favor and then allowing other people to not be like you. What is, like, your big definition of grace, or is it kind of all those mixed together, blended together? Well, I think that, you know, I did use the Christian definition just because I think it's a very paradigm-shifting way to think about things, and you don't need to be a Christian to adopt that definition. Uh, Just the idea of unmerited favor, because Mm. a lot of times— when we're feeling this way, we will come up with reasons that this person doesn't deserve our grace, right? And then to that, I would say, well, then you're not really talking about grace because it's unmerited. It actually is precisely for the person that you don't want to give it to and Mm. who you think doesn't deserve it because they've said something so offensive or they've done something so offensive that you feel justified, right? right? So that is a way to kind of, you know, to stay focused on the idea of it's unearned. Like the other person just gets it just for existing. If you are a believer, you might say, I see God in that person, or I see the divine spark in the person. If you're not, you might just say, I see the humanity in this other person, regardless of what they're saying or doing or who they voted for. And doesn't mean you have to like them. Mm. Doesn't mean you have to, you know, affirm what they're saying or any of those things. Um, but the the other definition that I use that was very helpful to me is, yeah, it's creating space for other people to not be you, which means this person gets to actually think things different than you, believe things that are different than you, and not be demonized and dehumanized and 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 completely written off as, you know, a worthless human being, <laughs> which is, if we're being honest, what a lot of us do. And so, um, and so it's, but it it isn't, you know, it isn't an affirmation. And so I think that's one thing. And I think you brought up a really important thing about the politeness. Um, A lot of people said when I I wrote a column before I wrote the book, basically saying all of this, and a lot of people said, but you always act with such grace on TV. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm polite. Mm. I'm civil. Right. It's like I'm professional. Grace is an inside job. So you don't know what's happening in my mind. You don't know the contempt that I'm feeling. You don't know the things I'm saying about these people as soon as I leave, how I'm laying in bed at night, like just thinking how they're like the most evil people that have ever <laughs> lived. So it's not, you know, your, your behavior probably will improve, but the fact that you can have good behavior doesn't mean that you're acting with grace. And the person that was being harmed the most by all of this was me. Mm. And, and that's sort of my argument is that we actually really harm ourselves much more than we harm other people typically, because right. most of us aren't walking up to people and saying, I think you're the worst human being ever. Sure. You know, we're, we're internalizing it or we're talking that way about other people and we're becoming corroded. Yeah. Um, our insights are becoming corroded with all of this. That's right. And that, that to me is why I was so drawn to your take on grace because it felt like a little life preserver because although grace is a wonderful thing to extend to other people, finding it within yourself is actually 
I, I found it interesting how practical you made grace and like how, oh, this is actually not just like a woo-woo thing to just talk about or dream about. It's actually yeah. going to improve your mental health. It's actually going to make you feel better about yourself. And at least it might not um, solve the issue or make somebody come to your side. That's not what it's about. It's about feeling better about the conversation in general, about yourself in general. I, I just love yeah. that. I, I do wonder, you seem to be a convicted person and I, I really admire conviction. How does conviction and grace live together? How is that relationship where you can be somebody who stands strong in their beliefs and also have this grace towards somebody who might think the exact opposite of you or in a lot of cases what we feel like is like detrimental to society, this other this yeah. other viewpoint. How do you balance the two? Well, I think that I I balance them. Well, I think one of the biggest problems is this, is that we have such a misunderstanding of what grace is. Mm -hmm. And so... It, it only seems contradictory if you have the misunderstanding about grace, right? right. If, if you think of grace as just being letting people get away with things, being a doormat, some of the things that we think of, and and it has been weaponized in that way also mm. a lot of times. You know, people will say, just give so-and-so grace, you know, who's done something really harmful. And it's like, no, that person needs to be held accountable, and that's not a lack of grace, right? Mm. So, um, so I think it, we have to, like, you know, stay in the right frame of mind about grace and see that there's nothing contradictory about speaking up and saying things. You know, I have speak your truth in the subtitle right. that that speaking out and, and saying what's true, that's not, not grace. Yeah. Um, you move into the kind of ungrace when you start having contempt and demonizing and othering and the things that we're seeing happening in our culture. And so when you think of some of the people, the most people with the strongest convictions in history, an MLK, for example, mm. or a Gandhi, right? They, they, they acted with grace, but no one would ever say that they didn't have strong convictions and that they weren't speaking yeah, truth and they weren't continuing to speak out. It's just that I think than our culture today, and and even back then, I think you know there were there certainly were critics of MLK, and there and there are critics of, of MLK today as well, who think that that's too soft or or whatever it is, mm. because we live in a culture that really prizes domination, and that yeah, we think that dominating people is strong, right? Whereas I would argue that dominating people is not strong; it's actually mm. weak it's the easiest thing to do. So when people say, some people have said to me like, oh, Grace, just, just letting people off the hook, that's so easy. And it's like, no, if you think Grace is easy, you've never practiced it. Because demonizing and dominating people is the easiest thing in the world. I know, because I've done it. Right. it. It's so easy. Like right. hating people, so easy. Mm. Uh, you know, really trying to see other people in all of their humanity as more than the thing they're doing, that's hard, right? Loving your enemies is hard. It's not, uh, it, it's not easy. And so I think that, um, we are just very confused. We're confused about what strength is. And I think that it's, um, like I said, even if you use MLK as an example, one, I read a lot of like John Lewis would be another example. Sure. Ruby sales who I interviewed for the book, you know, these civil rights icons, they talk about how they have this posture, um, in part to protect themselves. Mm. You know, like Nietzsche said, 
if you're going to fight the monster, don't become the monster. And so that's the problem in the process of fighting back against, um, terrible things, evil things in the culture. Sometimes people start to adopt the the tactics of what they're fighting. And so it's harmful to you. And I would argue that it's not really that effective either. I I just don't, you know, you you, kind of, you might win the battle, but you lose the war. And so I think they were in it for the long haul, mm. right? And, and and John Lewis is somebody, and if people aren't familiar with him, I really highly recommend really any of the books that he's written, you know, with somebody up until the day he died that just exuded joy and love. Mm-hmm. And this is a person who was beaten, you know, for, you know, within an inch of his life, yeah. um, you know, for fighting segregation. So so when people are saying, oh, it's just too hard for me, I can't treat my cousin, you know, with, you know, humanity, it's like, you actually can, you know, yeah. and it's, um, and it doesn't, again, it, it doesn't mean, and I have a whole chapter on boundaries in there. It's like, look, some people are toxic, like their behavior, I don't mean they're inherently toxic, but their behavior is sure. toxic. And if they're in that space where they really are being toxic, and they really are making your life miserable, then you need to put boundaries around that relationship. And in some cases, you may have to cut the relationship off or put it on pause. So that's not a lack of grace, right? Being clear with people about how to interact with you is grace, I think. Um, It's, you know, it's saying like, I care about you and I want to be in relationship with you and I want to talk to you about things, but you can't speak to me with contempt. You can't yell at me. You can't, you know, call me names you can't do these things and if you can't adhere to that then we just can't talk about this yeah so often if i ever get into these conversations with they're they're not my favorite conversations so i'm always like we can talk about this but let's (laughs) let's have a couple um (laughs) things to just start off with i'm not trying to change your mind i love you like i'll actually i think this has been a big step forward for me is because i used to just launch in and here are my facts (laughs) I have a note on my phone yeah. with my sources, all these, you know, yeah. I am greater than now. And now I'm sure that like, went great. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, definitely no uh no turmoil. But you probably changed so many people's minds. I yeah. really did for a long time <laughs> believe that if I could formulate an argument that I could bring someone over to my side, and the reality is uh, oftentimes, like, I bet if we could ask people, if I could give you information that you even think is correct, would you change your mind? Their answer would still <laughs> probably be no. So now yeah. it's more, can you either just share your opinion? Can you actually listen to other people and go, wow, that was really interesting. I need to sharpen my beliefs because that's a, the first time I've thought about it that way. Or, oh, I didn't have that information. That's a more f- interesting conversation to me. And now I feel like using kind of your formula for grace, I feel a little bit more able to have some a conversation like that because I'm not going to leave with my hand shaking and I'm sweating and I feel like I need <laughs> I know, to go to therapy. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So these big conversations that you have with loved ones, what are your pro tips as somebody who has sat across from people on live television in the big fancy lights and desks? You have that big moment of having this discourse with somebody, what are your ways or pro tips or sentences or uh, quotes or whatever that keep you pointed towards grace in these conversations that are a little bit more practical? Well, I think for me, it really is that other people are allowed to not be me. Mm. And so to just be like, wow, that's 
a perspective yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and to not, and to really almost like think of it as, uh, you know, when you judge people, you basically kind of get entangled with them, mm. right? It's because versus being discerning and just seeing it and then saying what you have to say. And, and, you know, I, I say in the book, figure out what you're a no to, and then what you're a yes to. So if I'm like, wow, I'm really a no to that. Um, I'm not going to take my time trying to convince this person, as you just described, which is just usually a complete waste of time. I, if it's my job, I will make my points because that's what I'm supposed to do. But where, where will I put my energy? I'll put my energy into writing a column. Um, mm. You know, I can put my energy into uh, lots of other things. People who don't have the platform I have, you could volunteer. You could write a letter to the editor. You yeah. could post something on social media that's informative, not inflammatory. You could, you could boost the voices of other people who are experts on it. You can give mm. money to an organization. All these different things that we can do. You could start an organization. Yeah. You could run for office. You, you know, you could all these different things, but instead so often people think the solution is to start fighting with somebody on social media or yelling at their family member or all of these other things. And it's just not going to solve the problem. And it's going to make you feel crappy. That's the problem. You just never walk <laughs> away from it feeling good. You're never Absolutely. like that was time well spent. No. Um, and, and I think I don't have, so my family actually, we don't have any political disagreements, mm. but we have other issues. Sure. And, all of the things, you know, the, the paradigm of this book is my professional life because that's where it kind of, you know, the rubber meets the road for right, me. Right. But it, it, it worked, this, these, these tactics and this frame of mind work for any kind of disagreement and any kind of, you know, uh, situation where you're feeling these things, the hatred, the contempt, the just pulling your hair out kind of anger kind of stuff. And so I think, you know, for a lot of people, they are dealing with their family members. I mean, mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who grew up in evangelical households, who moved away, um, who have different views now mm -hmm. and are having a very hard time with people that they love. And so I think that this is very helpful. And I can say for me, when I have had, where I have used this and I write about it in the book, my hardest relationship is my mother. Mm -hmm. And we've always had a very, very difficult relationship. Um, although close, you know, it's yeah. not like we've ever been estranged or anything. Um, but it was only through writing this book and getting to the place of having grace for her that I feel like we actually, for the first time, have a real relationship. Wow. And, and, and that came through, um, recognizing that she was doing the best she could with the tools she had, which I think is a really practical encapsulation of grace, which mm. is that, people are not trying to upset you or trying to hurt you. Like that's not, and, and the fact that I'm saying people are doing the best they can with what they have doesn't mean that what they're doing is good. Right. <laughs> it just means that, you know, whatever led them to that place, whatever traumas, whatever, however they were raised, whatever they were taught, whatever community they live in, whatever church they go to, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is that leads them, whatever media they're consuming, mm. they are coming to this with good faith the same way you are. There are people who aren't. That's a separate category. Yeah. And it's a minority. And um, and so when I was able to really sit and think about my mother, um, 28 years old, she got pregnant with me out of wedlock, had to get married, um, 
didn't really want to be married. I don't think she even wanted kids, if we're being honest, sure. you know, and, uh, and she was, you know, sort of forced into this, this life that she didn't want. And by the time she realized that this wasn't what she wanted, that she had a husband and two kids. Right. right? And, um, I had a lot of empathy for that. And I was yeah. able to see this is a person who, because she came from a Catholic, very Catholic family and because of the time that this was, you know, she didn't really have any other options and she did the best she could. And, and I was able to have empathy for her and have grace for her. And what's so radical about it is, is when you, when you get to that place of seeing somebody with grace, I don't even have to forgive her because I don't even think she did anything wrong. You see what I'm wow. saying? Like, it's a very different That's thing amazing. when you just say, what else could she have done? Yeah. She's, she's a 28 year old woman who is like way ahead of her time. She was a feminist. She became an archeologist. You know, she was a working, one of the first, you know, women with a career, mm. you know, dealing with all of the sexism and all the things. Sure. Right. And, um, you know, at a time when, working women, if you had kids, it was like, you couldn't even mention them. You know, it's not wow. like today where you can like, you know, I got to go to my kid's soccer practice or whatever. Like it was always like, it was just very, very difficult. And so to say, she really was doing the best she could. And, and, and to just say, I, 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 I just, I just, I feel for you. And I, and I, and I also see all the good things that I got out of having her as a mother. So that would be an example of, you know, doesn't mean she doesn't still do things that are problematic, but what I do in that situation is I use boundaries and, you know, and so I'm just very clear about where I'm going to go and where I'm not going to go. And when you use boundaries, you don't get resentful Yeah, because like that in between this, that space, you know, that's where resentment builds is your dad loves a somebody a political figure that you find repugnant and wants to talk to you about it and you and you engage in it and you never tell your dad I don't want to talk about this mm-hmm. you get resentful and the more resentment builds then you start getting into contempt and then you start getting into all of these other things and then you flip out right yeah absolutely. like this is this is something a cycle that we've all been in of course and so boundaries are an act of grace you know, wow. just to say, I can't have this conversation with you, or if I'm going to have this conversation with you, these are the boundaries we have to have around it. And to also have some compassion for your parents, right? It's, you know, I write about it in the book, you know, I think about it with my nieces, you know, I come from a liberal family. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if one of my nieces came home and was like with a MAGA hat on, you know, I would be like, what the hell is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I would just be like, what have... Sure. Where did we go wrong? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? You would just feel like everything that you ever poured into this child was like, right. And so that's what it's like for the conservative parents whose kid goes away and comes back and tells them what idiots they are. Right. Or not thinking like them. So that doesn't mean that you have to affirm it, but to have some compassion of like, what would that be like? Like to have raised your children and now they come back and they're like, I don't believe in the religion that you believe in. I don't believe in the 100%. political party that you believe in. And in, in most, you know, you're from the South, most, in most of those families, they've always believed that. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like everyone in their family has always believed the same things. That's how my family is. Everyone has always been a Democrat, sure. right? It's like everyone has always been this. So it's like, 
And so to just say, like, to have a little empathy of where they're coming from, that this is this is kind of a shock to the system. And, yeah. you know, you're who wants to have their kids coming home telling them how dumb they are? Yeah, I, I've had this conversation with my siblings many times because honestly, like political stuff is political stuff. But for our family, we were raised pretty conservative, um, evangelical Christian and, and very traditional Christian. And now I would say all four siblings land somewhere on a spectrum of just, I don't know. And yeah. so in that realm, my mom, who is, you know, worked at our church for 15 years, if that just kind of tells the story in, it, in and of itself, yeah. I'm trying to remind my siblings, like, imagine if your kids came home, the exact example that you gave, and they believed something completely different than you, because that's what is happening with mom and dad. And so the yeah. compassion that you're speaking of, I think, is so emotionally mature. And I think it's very healing. I think it's the kind of thing that if you can really sit with it quietly, it, it's definitely helped our family a lot. One, we just don't really have the conversations as much because I think that's part of the grace is like, this isn't, we're not trying to convince each other. So that's step one. Yeah. Two is, I've had this conversation with my parents a couple of times, which is just like, I... I'm so proud of you guys, even though like, obviously you had whatever, um, we all have things that we could take back or we do differently, but you did the best with what you could. And yeah. if I like who I am and I like where I am, then I have to at least accept those things as well. So I am yeah. just in real time retweeting you. That's all that's happening right yeah. now. Everything well, you talked about, I Well, and I think, I you know, and I told, and, and I told my mom this and it was very healing for her, you know? And yeah. so I think that, um, yeah, I think even for someone just to say to their parents, like, this has got to be hard for you, mm. right? I see that. I see this is hard. Like, I can't imagine if my kid or my nephew or whatever did this, and you know, I'm not doing this to hurt you. Right. I, you know, I see that this is important to you and we just really do believe different things. Um, because also with, I think with the faith aspect and, and also in the evangelical world, the faith and, and politics really merges, sure. you know, and so it's like it really, I think, can the belief and, and I, I would say if this is true, even in my family, though, that it's we don't my, my family. I'm really the only one that's a believer in my family, mm. but politics is kind of a religion. Right. And right. so it's in the sense that you're not just having a different opinion about like, I like chocolate ice cream and you like vanilla ice cream. Like you're having a different opinion about something existential and something, you know, and, and I think with religious people, it's even more existential, right? Because it's like, you're not just disagreeing with me. You're, you're possibly going to hell. Right. So it's like, they, and so you have to put yourself in the position of what the other person thinks. A lot of times we think, well, nobody should think that. And so, it's like, no, they think this. And if mm -hmm. you thought this, then the behavior is actually somewhat rational. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And so it doesn't make it okay, but it's like, does give you empathy and compassion. And, and yes, they will benefit from it. But again, I just keep going back. Like you will be amazed at how much you benefit from that. Yeah. Um, you know, how much not taking on other people's stuff really will free you up. You know, and when you, like I said, when you judge people, you are now completely entangled with them and like no good will come of it. Absolutely. I, I just, I love all of this. And I, I really think that this is a, 
a step forward for a lot of people that I think we all have wanted to take, but the way that you give language to it is just, it's so profound. It's so refreshing. And I just, I love it. So we were just talking about yeah, some existential stuff. We like yeah. to end. Uh, oh, can I just say one thing yes, though? Please, I do want to just say in case there's somebody who's in a family where, uh, their religious parents are, you know, dehumanizing them or, are abusive or those kinds of things, you know, you do have to take care of yourself. And so I'm in no way saying, yeah, there are boundaries for that. And sometimes you have to say, you know, this, you know, if your parents can't respect your boundaries and they, and they insist that you have to believe everything that they believe, or they're going to make your life completely miserable, or, you know, they won't accept your sexual identity or these kinds of things. Practicing grace does not require you you know, to give up your dignity or, yeah. you know, let people treat you badly. So I think, you know, I just want to be very clear about yeah. that. that what it's, a thoughtful note. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and grace and boundaries can sometimes mean I totally understand why you believe that I can't have yeah. this in my life or I can't be exactly. near to you or spend more than a day with you or a lunch with you. And that is actually where we will have the best relationship or we can have yeah. the most love and compassion for each other. And, and that's actually, I think, going to give a lot of people a lot of freedom to go, wait, I can be living in my truth and not constantly clench onto the like, yeah. oh, but they don't believe what I believe or they don't yeah. uh, love me in this way for this reason. I think that is powerful. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So yeah. we do, we were just talking about a bunch of existential stuff. The basis of the show is just existential crisis. And my favorite thing to get into <laughs> is some of these big questions that, you know, uh, over at CNN, you guys probably have a lot of these just note cards that I've written out super pro. Um, but I'd love yeah. to ask you a couple of these questions before you head out. Uh, All right. if that's cool with you. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience that you can't explain? If so, what was it? Well, I mean, so many, my gosh. Um, I, I, I think like, I can't explain the fact that I grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska, um, this tiny little town, uh, nobody in my family is in the media or politics or has mm. any connection to it. And that I am like on the national news, like that's crazy. <laughs> that's just crazy. That's, that's a good and, one. <laughs> yeah. And people always ask like, how did that happen? And I'm like, I don't know. Mm. It's because it's, you know, in my, in my wildest dreams, I would never have, you know, thought that, especially at the time when I was growing up, we were sure. so disconnected. It was pre-internet, pre-cable news, all those things. And so, uh, it just isn't, there's just no explanation for it. I can't, sure. it's just bizarre. It always seems just completely bizarre to me. Yeah. That, that made me think like, did you have a model that you were looking up to as a kid growing up in Alaska? Like, was there anybody when you turned on the news or when you even started to think about, Oh, maybe I want to do this. Who were the people that made it feel possible for you? No, I mean, well, the thing, the thing is you have to understand, like I grew up in the seventies. Okay. So you seventies and eighties and people like famous people were, they were like, up here. You know what I mean? You were not like ever going to be a famous person. Not everyone had a following. Not everyone had a TikTok. Like that was a very separate. Well, you couldn't. Yeah. Well, because there was no social media. There was no internet. There was none of that, but it just wasn't, you know, there, there, I was never exposed to famous people. Like Mm -hmm. that wasn't like if a famous person had come the Pope and Ronald Reagan came and met in, at the airport in my town. That's like the biggest thing that's ever happened, <laughs> right? It's sure, like, so sure. I, it, there just wasn't like that just didn't like 
you would never like now they say kids will say what do you want to be to grow up and they say they want to be famous like no one would ever say something like that <laughs> that was they would be they would be so ridiculed and so right, it just right. was yeah and so i never ever ever thought like i would be on tv or that i would i don't know what i thought i would be doing but i just did not i don't know i just thought i would like get a job and maybe have a little bit of a career and like i just yeah i just didn't even think that way it yeah. wasn't yeah you just didn't you just didn't think that way no i love that answer okay i got another one for you here if god could answer one question for you what would it be what is the like all right dude I've been here a long well, time. Well, I mean, everybody always wants to know why do you allow suffering, Correct. right? So that's an obvious. And that's always one. So, my but if preface. I think, I'm like, look, yeah, he's got. You get to kind of ask that one. Now he explains that to you, and somehow it makes sense. What is the next thing? <laughs> I think if I was just being super selfish, I would just be like, why was I born? Like, mm. what, like, did I live the life I was supposed to live? Like, did I, you know? Was I supposed yeah. to do something else? Like, was this, was this, was this, oh, like, what was the plan? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, or is there a plan? Like, or is this just That's totally random? One. Is the, yeah. was this predestined? Was I just like <laughs> on a roller coaster and just kind of experiencing it? Or <laughs> was I in a labyrinth of trillions of decisions? And if I had turned right here, I died. If I turned left here, I'm the president. Like, what is yeah, that labyrinth right, right. The like? Right, right. The sliding doors. Yeah, thing, and, like, and do you have control over that labyrinth? That's the big one for me. Is like, yeah, is this person assisting at all? Is he nudging, or is he, or they, yeah. or it? Just like, yeah, I don't know. I I made the labyrinth, but enjoy it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. Yeah. What is one of the best yeah. pieces of advice that you've ever been given? to not worry about what other people are thinking about you because they're mm. not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, and I wish yeah. I would have figured that out when I was a lot younger, mm. um, that people think about it in your life. Like how often do you actually like if in minutes, do you spend thinking about people that aren't in your immediate, it you is know, like your family, <laughs> your spouse, like, yeah, it's, yeah like a minute a day, maybe, you know, and that we think that we do so much because what are people going to think? Right, right, people right. think this is like, people are not thinking about you. If I'm thinking they about other care. people, it's, it's <laughs> selfishly in relation to me. It's yeah, like, what exactly. are they thinking about me? It's only pointed back at myself. I think that is life-changing <laughs> yeah. advice. And it's something that I, I think a long, maybe two or three years ago, I feel like I heard that and tried to make it a part of my life. And I think it is one of the most life-changing ideologies or like practical pieces of advice because comparison, especially today with what you're talking about where yeah. you can get online and see every political analyst, everything they've done, every author, every whatever, and you can immediately feel yeah. less than or greater than in both in toxic ways. And it's, it's really fascinating. How do you deal with like social media and and the way that all of this has kind of gone down of being an author, being a political analyst and living on these spaces, especially when it comes to comparison? Uh, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, actually. Uh, I, I found out when I when I started this sort of project with grace mm -hmm. the, and, and, you know, you mentioned the book was very practical and there's a reason for that is because sure. I basically sat there and said, okay, how do I take Kirsten today 
to Kirsten uh, with grace, right? Yeah, what yeah. is what is standing between me and that? Because I've already assented to the idea, but I can't get there. Right. And so one of the things that I discovered was spending time on social media makes it very difficult to have grace for people because it gets <laughs> you so amped up. Mm-hmm. And it um, and it's so um, what's the word for it? It's not that it's not it's it's not completely untrue, but it's a representation of you know it's like a blurred it's reality. A representation it's not, that not people true. want to yeah. put out there, right? Yeah, and so you're kind of you know contending with things that aren't totally on the level and totally mm-hmm. on the up and up, and so it's like just I really limit it because I don't I, I can't say that I'm strong enough. It put me on Twitter for a couple hours. I'm not really sure <laughs> what I would do. So yeah. I, you know, it's, I still have feelings. I still get mad. I still, all the things, right. Yes. And so I really try to limit, uh, limit things that were designed to get us outraged. So mm. I would say Facebook and Twitter are like that. Instagram's not as problematic for me. And I don't, um, but I do try to avoid anybody who's really putting out like content that's supposed to make you jealous or that kind of stuff. I, <laughs> I try to, av- I try to avoid the comparison thing, but I also think that I do struggle with comparison. It is one of my struggles. Um, and I think that to always go back to remembering that it's not what you see is not what's going on. Yeah. And, it, and again, think of all your friends. Do you have a single friend who's not struggling with something? Right. Um, you know, I used to be very jealous of Anthony Bourdain. Mm. Uh, every time he would come on TV, I'd be like, Oh my God, he's got the best life. He travels the world. He's doing, he's so cool. He's this and that I'm such a loser, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he committed suicide. Right. It's yeah. like, we just don't know what people are dealing with. And so um, it's just always to, to remember that of like, it's, you know, it's very easy, but if you know somebody even slightly, it's amazing what people are dealing with. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, and how they see themselves and all of these other things. And so, um, but that, that has been a struggle for me and it's, you know, and I think social media really exacerbates it. It's, I, I don't remember struggling with it before social media. Me too. No, I feel the same way. I feel like socials came along and when I was just living in society before social media, which feels impossible almost, like I didn't look at someone and go, man, I wish I had their life. It really felt like a more nuanced, complex, like, well, I'm sure they have stuff, but now I don't get the full picture. I'm just seeing the perfectly cut version of these people. And that is, it's tough not to compare, but I think you are like just limiting strategy is, is very potent and like wise to just say, I know what that is going to lead to. So I don't go down that road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I curate, you know, Mm. it's like, if there's going to be someone where I'm seeing and I see it start happening, I just mute them or unfollow them or something until that has been the the best thing for me is the unapologetic unfollow. Not that I have any contempt for you. Just I'm comparing myself to you. This is bad for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. Well, struggles real. That's all I got for you. I really appreciate you. I've loved this conversation and I'm just a huge fan. I can't wait to see uh, just everything that you come out with. And and we are a huge supporter of you you. guys. If you're listening, check out Kirsten Powers book, Saving Grace. It is amazing. And I just want to say one more time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such a fun conversation. Of course. Thank you. All right, y'all. What a just a great conversation that just felt like a a drink of 
Pink Lemonade. And I don't know why I went into this voiceover voice. <laughs> but I love that combo. Um, Kirsten is just wise and has so much... Um, I, it feels controversial when you're listening to it, but you're like, this isn't. This is what it should be. It should be giving people grace and understanding, and it was just awesome. So check out her book, Saving Grace. Make sure to subscribe. We're posting a bunch more clips on TikTok and um, Instagram. We have our Instagram at whyarewehere underscore podcast, so check that out. Other than that, we'll see you next week. We love you. Peace. Why are we here?